This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features an excerpt of Six Shooter, play exploring gun violence in America using the Western trope, and Sagan Chen, actor, director, producer of Sideways Smiles, um, which is, you know, stay tuned for that coming out later this year. But yeah, but I wanted to talk to Sagan and I wanted to share this excerpt, which I was planning on sharing anyway at some point. And then another horrible, senseless, hateful act of violence and uh, violent white supremacy was carried out last week um, against the Asian American community here in the country. And um, this is an ongoing problem um, that is white supremacy and gun violence in America. And this time that we're, we all find ourselves in, I found myself wanting to lean into being an artist for change more um, than, than ever before um, or more, it's kind of a reawakening, reinvigoration of that purpose. I want to break generational curses. I want to tear down white supremacy and the patriarchy. But I want to do it through the medium of art, theater, acting, storytelling that I love so much and having conversations. So thank goodness I got to work on a project called Six Shooter exploring a lot of those uh, very intersectional things and Sagan and I both played cowboys in this Um, and we ride into town uh, separately but together Um, and there's a movie within a play this is a about a 20 minute a little bit longer than that Um, it's an excerpt of the project that we're working on and so I thought it was a good time for us to share that segment that we worked on last fall and for me and Sagan to kind of unpack some of what's going on in the world and to make space to hear from them. So this is first uh, six shooter. You can check the show notes for all other people involved. Um, the full credits will be in there and maybe at the end I'll list those as well. And then following this six shooter, a conversation with me and Sagan Shen. Right now, enjoy the show. The stage is covered by a large, ornate curtain, reminiscent of an old-timey movie theater. There is a popcorn machine making fresh popcorn. House lights fade to black. The curtain opens to reveal a large projection screen upstage. The rest of the set is dark. We see a projection of a Welcome to the Bauman Theater. Please silence your cell phones, etc. All pre-show messages. Following this is a series of old Western movie trailers. Following this is a Now Our Feature Presentation video. Projection cease. Lights up on stage. The desert, an arid wasteland. The sun beats down upon the rocky landscape, sparsely broken by isolated shrubs and cacti. The air is hazy with heat, giving the landscape a slight shimmer. The town of Powder Ridge 
stands, isolated and proud on the horizon. A horse's hooves kick up a cloud of dust as they plod onward. A figure, astride the horse, dust clinging to his white jacket. A white hat atop his head, a gun belt secured prominently around his waist. Clyde Elliott is riding into town. John Wayne type enters from off stage with Minnie the Cow and addresses the audience. He is the All-Americans All-American. His back rigid, his shoulders square, able to carry the weight of the world, his arms strong, able to lift others, fight for truth, till a field or fight a man. He is all that is good and true and just, a beacon of hope in the wilderness of the untamed West. Two leather boots kicking up a cloud of dust as they plod onward. Another lost soul arrives in town looking for something. A man pushes himself through the desert, relentless. Henry Hackett is walking into town. Hackett enters. He's been left for dead like a piece of meat. Dried out meat, jerky. Who left him in this animal state? His body is a ledger of violence and vengeance, sculpted only by sunburns, starvation, and gunslinging. His face is creased with the hardships of the wilderness, of a cruel world endured with chin held high. His hands rough, calloused, familiar with struggle, used to dirt and dust and dryness, familiar with the adrenaline that comes when taken alive. The desert has taken its toll on him. Without help, or maybe a spot of luck, will he make it to Powder Ridge? Hackett continues to plod along through the hot sun. After a moment, Clyde Elliott rides on stage. Clyde pauses eyeing Hackett before drawing his horse up near him. Narrator and his cow watch from the edge of the stage. Howdy, sir. You look like you've been through hell. (laughs) What gives you that idea? The name's Clyde Elliott. I'm heading into town. Could offer you a ride on old Betsy here if it'd help. I'm fine to walk a while. and looks like you need the breather. I don't have nothing to offer you in return. Wouldn't take it if you did. Just offering a fellow traveler a chance to rest his feet. Right then. I appreciate it. Clyde dismounts, passes the reins to Hackett, who in turn mounts the horse. I'll only ride till I catch my breath. Man shouldn't rely too much on the kindness of strangers. Whatever you'd like, sir. It's no skin off my back. They begin to walk forward, Hackett keeping the horse slow to keep pace with Elliot on foot. Name's Hackett. What brings you out to this wasteland? Just passing through on my way out west. Looking for an opportunity to put some honest work in. Maybe make a little coin. How's about yourself? I got a debt to pay. Heard the man I'm looking for might be out this ways. Need to make good on what I owe him. Well, that's right honest of you, Mr. Hackett. A lot of things been said about me, Mr. Elliot, but no one's ever said I don't pay back what's owed. The two ride off, ever closer to the outskirts of town. 
Well, ain't they just about the unlikeliest two companions you ever did see? Scene shifts to the center of town. We are outside a saloon. Ah, the good old miner's daughter saloon. The only bastion of rest and comfort for miles around. Miss Hattie slings the best whiskey I ever did taste. Keeps our spirits up, so she does. You'll never meet a woman with more bite than Miss Hattie. The wooden sign of the miner's daughter swings on squeaking chains, the only sound heard on the quiet street. The interior of the miner's daughter. A few figures sit huddled over their drinks. Narrator moves into the scene, taking a seat at the bar, slumped over with a bottle by his hand. His cow exits. The double doors swing open as Elliot enters. Hackett slouches in a few paces behind. The figures around the saloon stop their activities, staring at them in silence. Stillness for a moment. The figures turn back to their drinks. Well, Mr. Hackett, I hope you find the man you're here to see. And I hope you find whatever it is you're looking for, Mr. Elliot. My thanks again. Ain't nothing. Just doing what any good man would do. He tips his hat to Hackett before crossing to the bar. Hackett collapses into a nearby chair, grabbing the glass of a nearby patron and downing it in one gulp. Clyde places both hands on the bar top. The bartender, a woman by the name of Hattie, watches him stoically. A whiskey, please. Hattie reaches behind the bar for a glass and a bottle of whiskey. She pours one for Clyde Elliott, who drinks it. Another if you be so kind. Hattie pours him another. Ain't seen you before. New in town? That I am, ma'am, just passing through. But I'll take some honest work if there's any to be found. I'm not too proud to get my hands dirty, willing to put in a full day for room and board. You know some place that could use the help? Best you keep on riding, son. Powder Ridge ain't a town for honest work these days. Only work you'll find here is with Sam the Snake and his band of miscreants. They run things round here. Take a cut of any money that's made and rough up those who don't pay. That true, ma'am? Ain't there a sheriff or lawman here who could put a stop to this? Used to be. Sheriff's on the take now. Too scared to stand up to Sam and his boys. Used to be some other men in town would have put Sam in his place, but most of them are dead or turned tail. These days, best you can do is keep your head down. That's not the way I was raised, sir. And I don't intend to turn a blind eye to that kind of cruel and dishonest behavior you're describing. The only way we as Americans can make something out of this wilderness here is if we work together to build a society. Gotta look out for one another. Son, I used to believe that kind of hogwash. Man triumphing over nature with the help of his neighbor. The right of Christian men to take this land and claim it as theirs. But you give it time, you'll see how quickly that community feeling disappears in the face of the cruelty of both man and nature. You take my advice, son, and keep riding on. 
If you don't, the only work you'll be involved in will be with the undertaker. Jackson takes his bottle and stumbles to a table across the room. Ma'am, who was that fella? That was Duke Jackson. Used to be the fastest gunman in all of Arizona. Surely you've heard of him. Of course I have. Can't believe that's what's left of him. He was an American hero. Had a run of bad luck and heartbreak. This land breaks a man down. Don't think there's much good can be done around here. When folk keep their heads down, they usually stay down. I can't live a life waiting for the next hardship. Only way through this world is to make something out of it. Hackett, who has been nursing his feet, rises and crosses to sit opposite Duke Jackson at his table. Hackett takes the bottle from Duke's hand, takes a large swig. Duke offers no resistance. I hear that right? You Duke Jackson? Hackett passes the bottle back. Used to be, stranger. These days, I'm just tired old Duke. He takes a long swig from the bottle. Well, old Duke, what can you tell me about this Sam fella? Sounds like he's got y'all scared as a cat on hot bricks. I'll tell you what I told that other traveler. Ain't no good in getting tangled up in the goings-on in Powder Ridge. Last thing you want to do is get the attention of Sam the Snake. Actually, sir, that's exactly why I'm here. Then you're even stupider than your friend over there. Take my advice. Keep riding. Only thing you'll find here is death and sorrow. Got my share both already. But I owe Sam Barnes. And a man's got to honor his debts. Well, sir, my ears don't deceive me. You might be in luck, then. Sounds like Sam and his boys are fat. Clyde Elliott downs the last of his whiskey, leans against the bar as Sam and his posse of men storm into the bar, whooping, hollering, kicking over chairs, generally making a menace. Patty braces herself while the other patrons cower. Hackett stands, crosses, and punches over the bar. He keeps his back towards the posse, listening. Narrator re-enters, speaks to the audience. These men own this town and act like it. They are the manifestation of the chaos of the frontier. They are wild, almost manic. All save one. Clad in black, Samuel Barnes stands still, stoic, overseeing the bedlam his men create. He radiates the cruel collectedness of a viper coiled to strike. Perhaps that is why he is known as Sam the Snake. Perhaps it is his underhanded way of getting what he wants. He He's not a man of honor, but he is honest in his dishonesty. He is our villain, through and through. Cooey! I need a drink, a bath, and a woman, and not in that order. Damn, but you're right, Lawrence. Tonight we tear this town up. I gotta knock the dust off my boots, if you know what I mean. They sit at a table near the bar. Wyatt kicks his boots up on the table. Wyatt, how many times have I told you to take your damn dirty boots off my tables? Wyatt looks sheepish, takes his feet down, 
Lawrence pointedly puts his feet on the table. Now, Hattie, White and I are just two thirsty men. You can't blame us for bad behavior when you ain't even served us a drink yet. Lawrence, I've seen how bad your behavior gets after you've had a drink. I'll serve you soon as you serve me your tab. With the amount of coin you put me out, I could buy a whole case of whiskey. Now, look here, Missy. Sam said drinks was on the house. Kindness of your heart, he said. You calling Sam a liar? I didn't think so. So how about those drinks then? Hattie reluctantly pours them each a whiskey. Clyde makes to cross to the table, but Hackett puts a firm hand on his shoulder, stopping him. Hattie crosses to the table to bring the men their drinks. Lawrence doffs his hat to her in an overly polite gesture. Your kindness is appreciated. <laughs> Wyatt tosses back the whiskey, laughs as he starts cleaning his gun in a highly sexual manner. The two men laugh crudely. Clyde makes to move again, but again, Hackett holds him back, firmer this time. I can't just stand by while those two lousy- Just wait and watch. Wyatt, no guns in my saloon. Ain't gonna tell you again. Hattie, you ain't got nothing to fear from old Wyatt here. He ain't shot straight since Polk was president. Lawrence laughs and starts <laughs> cleaning his gun in an equally sexual manner. Now me, on the other hand. I've had more than enough from you two. Get out of my saloon. Miss Hattie, I must apologize for my companions. They don't have the manners of a wild hog. Now men, you know that ain't no way to treat a lady, especially one who takes such good care of us. Lawrence and Wyatt slowly put their guns away. Sam leads Hattie away, sits at another table. Hattie stands, watching him. Here, Hattie, my old girl. A little coin to feed my boys here. He places a coin purse on the table in front of him. Where would the men of this town be without you? You're a pillar of the community. While he's talking, Sadie... A pretty schoolmarm enters and stands near the door, avoiding notice. Now, I know my friends here were pretty rude in their asking, but would you mind getting us a little food and drink, if it ain't too much trouble? Should be enough in here to cover whatever they need. Hattie moves cautiously towards the coin purse. Oh, and one other thing. Sam draws a knife, pinning the coin purse to the table with it. You wipe poor Lawrence's tab clean. Or you'll lose more than just coin. Clyde finally breaks free of Hackett's grip. Now, see here? That ain't no way to treat the owner of a fine establishment like this. Sam withdraws his knife, stares at Clyde. Stranger, best you keep your nose out of others' business. No harm done, see? He throws the coin purse to Hattie. Hattie, slightly shaken, slowly backs away and exits to the kitchen, but stumbles on the way, falling to her knees. Sam and his posse laugh cruelly. Sadie runs forward to help Hattie to her feet. Lawrence and Wyatt react as Sadie passes. Hattie, are you all right? Come here. And here comes Miss Sadie Cobb, the local school teacher and just about the sweetest pair of big, kind eyes you ever did see. That Sadie never could stay away from trouble wherever it popped up. 
I used to think that was just an unfortunate coincidence. Smarten up, boys. We got a proper lady present. Miss Sadie, how are you this fine afternoon? You have made my day brighter with your presence. You keep your niceties to yourself, you brute. Sadie, you wound me. I may be a little rough around the edges, but I assure you, at heart, I'm the perfect gentleman. If you'd give me a chance, I could show you just how kind and honest I can be. You're a liar and a cruel man to take advantage of a small town like this. We just want to make an honest life here. So you take your men and go, Mr. Barnes. Don't you come back. If you keep up with these strong words, you're likely to hurt my feelings. And please, call me Sam. How's about you join me for dinner tonight? And afterwards, we can have ourselves a little walk under the moonlight. I'm sure you'll enjoy my company. Take your hands off her, you no good weasel. All right, stranger. You were warned. Boys, see to Mr. What's your name, stranger? Clyde Elliott. And I hear you're Sam the Snake. A few call me that, but not many to my face. I prefer Mr. Barnes. I am, after all, just a gentleman trying to make his way in the world. Well, Mr. Barnes, if you would be so kind as to release that young woman there, maybe you and I can talk things through like gentlemen then. Before that, Mr. Elliot, I think you need to learn how things work around here. Boys, would you be so kind as to teach this newcomer a lesson? Posse members advance towards Clyde Elliot. A fist fight follows. Clyde Elliot fights like a boxer, all strong, direct, and clean blows. He easily takes down several of Sam's posse, sending them careening over tables and through the saloon doors. Hackett, finally turning from the bar, takes a few cheap shots, scrappily taking care of the other posse members. Soon, only Sam is left. Hackett crosses to the edge of the room, keeping his hat low over his eyes. Now, I'm only going to ask you one more time. Let Miss Sadie go. You think you can make me? He draws his gun. Go ahead and try. Now, why do you have to go and bring a weapon into this? Scared of a gun, Sodbuster? Clyde Elliott quickly draws his own gun, shoots the gun in Sam's hand, sending his pistol flying. Sam recoils, releasing Sadie, who runs to Clyde Elliott's side. No, I don't reckon I am. My hand! You almost hit my damn hand! You'll pay for this, you bastard! He slinks off to a corner of the saloon, nursing his pride. Now, miss, are you all right? Thanks to you, mister. Thank you for putting that snake in his place. I'm only too happy to help. What was your name? I ain't seen you around here before. Uh, Clyde Elliott, ma'am. Just rode into town. Well, Mr. Elliott, I'm Sadie Cobb. I manage a small ranch outside of town with, uh, with my boy. Taught at the schoolhouse, too. When there were more children need teaching. Just you and your boy out there? Don't you have a man to help around the place, keep you all safe? Well, Shane's daddy died a few years back. Just the two of us, but we managed fine. At least we did until that damnable Sam Barnes started making trouble. He and his men can't be trusted around decent folk. Well, perhaps it's time someone around here stood up to him. Why hasn't that man, Duke Jackson, done something? You be kind to poor Mr. Jackson. He's had enough pain in his life. Well, if he won't, seems like I might stay a while. Help clean things up around here. You be careful if you aim to do that, Mr. Elliot. 
but if you're planning on staying around here, you'll need some real food and a place to stay. Patty's saloon is all well and good, but it's nothing compared to a home-cooked meal. If you wanted, you could come stay out on my ranch, assuming you're able to work to earn your keep. Oh, that's mighty kind of you, ma'am. At, at the very least, I hope you let me take you home. Would hate to think of you riding alone with such ruffians about. I'd appreciate that, Mr. Elliot. Sadie exits. Clyde follows, stopping by the door. Uh, Miss Hattie? I'm sorry for the mess. Uh, Mr. Hackett, I do much appreciate your help earlier. Least I could do. He lights a cigar and clenches it between his teeth. Figure we're even now. I figure so. You take care. He exits. Well, now you see what a good man with a good aim can do for a town like Powder Ridge, I reckon. Well, well, well. Did I hear him say Mr. Hackett? Sam rises from the corner. Some of his posse begin to stir. Look who it is, boys. Henry Hackett. Last time I saw you, you was good as dead. Too bad for you, good as dead ain't quite dead. Is that right? You know me, Sam. Ain't the kind to let unfinished business sit. Posse members begin to encircle Hackett. So you crawled your way all the way here just for me? He gestures to the posse. That I did, Sam. Why don't we finish this like men, hmm? You and me. No need for all your boys to get involved. This is between us. Could do that, Hackett. But I'm a busy man. Afraid I don't have time to humor your little need for revenge. Do me a favor. He reaches across to Lawrence's belt, grabbing his gun from his holster. Stay dead this time. He shoots Hackett. Hattie <sighs> screams. Hackett collapses. Shit. Ow. <clears throat> All right, Lawrence. Wake the rest of the boys up. We got some planning to do. That Miss Sadie and her new beau, Elliot, have got to be taught a lesson. Let's get. Stillness on stage. Eventually, Hackett groans. Ugh. He's been shot, but only wounded. He grits his teeth as he attempts to rise, clutching the wound. Hattie runs to his side as Duke Jackson re-enters the saloon. You brave, stupid man. Duke, get over here and help me. I'll be all right. Sure you will, son. Let's take a look at it. Hattie opens Hackett's shirt. She and Duke look at the wound. Hackett winces. I've seen worse in my time. You'll live. Come on now. Hackett looks at Duke, unsure for a second. Duke extends a hand. After a pause, Hackett clasps his hand and is helped up. Suppose that was a bit stupid of me. More than a bit, you damned men. I warned you not to get tangled up with Sam. Uh, someone needs to do something about a man like him. Let's start by doing something for you first. You need to get cleaned up. Mr. Jackson, will you take him upstairs? Room's on me, Mr. Hackett. Happy to oblige, Miss Hattie. Come here, son. Hackett leans fully on Duke Jackson and they climb the stairs together. Hattie is left looking over the damage done to the saloon. Beautiful. Cut. Cut! The saloon becomes a flurry of activity. We're on the movie set filming the western we just saw. Grip and electric crew walk across with equipment. 
Hair and makeup comes to touch up John Wayne type and Hackett, as Hackett tentatively sands. The actor who plays Hackett, Ash, is hurt. Camera cuts. Cut. Fantastic job, you two. Ash. Ashley? Ash? Ash is good. Ash, that was phenomenal. Oh, you good? Hey, can we get a medic over here? I couldn't tell if you were selling it or feeling it. That squib hit a bit harder than I was expecting. It'll shake out, though. Yeah, they can sting a bit. I'm glad you're okay. We'll splice out that cussing, no problem. The medic arrives. Might as well get that looked at. <laughs> Sounds good. Ash grabs their shoulder, massaging it and wincing. You sure you good, Ash? Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't worry about me. Ash and medic exit. That's time, yeah? We got two minutes, but that's it for the setup. Yeah, all right, let's call it. That's lunch, everyone. We're back at 1.17. Lunch? Good work this morning. We'll finish this scene when we're back. So the next setup? We're just turning around. Gotta repo a few of the lights we've already got up. Getting that coverage, yeah? How long? About 20 minutes. Beautiful. Get it after lunch. Let's see. The lights dim and a projection appears upstage. It's a behind-the-scenes documentary. When the rights for Powder Ridge hit the public domain, I knew I had the opportunity to make something really special. Now, the show aired for 12 seasons in the 60s, and it was the 60s, you know? It was... it wasn't exactly PC. We had a chance to drag it into the present, and it was sitting right in that twilight zone, you know? That sweet spot of the public consciousness. It had name recognition, nostalgia for sure, but... It was long enough gone that we could take those established characters and relationships and make them, well, make them look like what the rest really looked like. I mean, it's 2012. And well, to be honest, the producers didn't want another black cowboy movie with that other one coming out so close to our release date. But I could at least add some representation. Ugh. And early in my career to have something like that fall into my lap. No rights, no strings attached. Well, I had to go for it. Yeah, I'd do it again. But I'd do it the same way. Uh, I don't think so. But I don't know how useful that question is. Uh, I'm sorry, can I, can I have a minute? Can I have a minute? Director stands up out of frame. The projection fades. The lights come back up. Mallory, the actor playing Sadie, has entered the stage and taken a seat with her lunch beside the saloon set. As the lights come back up, other cast and crew members start to come back in with lunch. Mind if I join you? Oh, sure. Forgive me, I know we've been at this for a few weeks. Could you remind me of your name? Alex. It's Alex. Thanks, I'm Matt. I know who you are. That saloon stuff is looking good. They've really got those lights dialed in. Yeah, looks good. It feels like we're really there. You ever watch the show? I Netflixed a few episodes after I booked this gig, but before that, no. I grew up on the reruns. It's kind of funny being in this world. The AD notices hair and makeup sitting on the saloon set itself. What the hell are you doing? We're still shooting this scene. God, I know we don't have holding today, but use your brain. Hair and makeup scoop up their lunch and exit flustered. Continuity? Scripty enters briskly. After lunch, I need you to look at the reference shots of this bar and make sure everything's where it belongs. Top of the scene. Got it? Scripty runs off. 
Adi sits near Mallory and PA and starts eating her lunch. If I work another indie shoot this year, I'm gonna get an ulcer. <clears throat> hey, uh, good shit today, Mal. Really hitting those marks. Glad someone's keeping us on schedule. Thanks. Feels good. You ever catch any reruns of Powder Ridge growing up? Yeah. The costumes always seemed a little tacky. Hmm. That was part of the charm of it for me. I really love what we're doing with it. We haven't lost that charm, but we're taking it somewhere. I don't know, it feels more real or something. The characters are still there, the story's still there, but we're tapping more into something real about the West and less of that whitewashed 60s TV version. Well, this whole gunslinging thing isn't much more than mythology. If you were to make a real, authentic Western, a lot of people would find it boring. No, not boring, but it would be different wouldn't really be a Western anymore. Well, sure, they play everything up. It's the movies. There's not much to play up, though. There are only about ten recorded quick-draw duels in the whole history of the American West. None of them at high noon, none of them on Main Street. Maybe it's time the genre told the truth about the West. Well, I don't have anything against the genre itself. It's a story, not a thesis. It's like, you've both seen Jurassic Park, right? The most prominent dinosaur in the movie, it's on the logo and everything, is the T-Rex. Tyrannosaurus Rex wasn't around until the Cretaceous era. Hell, the whole idea of them filling in genetic holes with frog DNA is absurd. Amphibians split from the ancestors of the dinosaurs in the Carboniferous. Real-life velociraptors were the size of chickens. But it's a movie. If I wanted to read a paleontology textbook, I'd read a paleontology textbook. You clearly have. No one would have bought tickets to see a movie called Cretaceous Park, where Samuel L. Jackson easily fends off some chicken-sized lizards. I'd watch that. But not in theaters. I'd rent it. Yeah, guess it's okay they fudge the details on that one a bit. Here, I can take those plates if you're done. AD walks off, checking the time on her phone. Half hour, everybody! The set has slowly become more active again. A costume PA walks in with a cowboy hat. Miss Mills, we wanted to make sure we fit this right before we shoot outside this afternoon. Can you try it on real quick? Sure. She puts the hat on squarely. It's fine. Thank you. Costume PA leaves. Mallory's smile fades to neutral. John Wayne type enters and walks toward a cow. Minnie the cow. I like to keep a calm demeanor in situations of calamity. It assures the simple folk. That way, they know I'm the good one. I'm here to help. That is, if the white hat and the handsome smile weren't doing enough. Minnie always helps me with that. The calm, that is. Minnie doesn't scare too easy or run away too fast. She gives you no other option than to stay put and fight like a man. Oh, or a cow. Sorry, Minnie. Now, you folks might be wondering, what's a John Wayne type like myself doing around these parts with some little cow like Minnie? Now, before you judge too quick, Minnie isn't just no ordinary cow. Minnie and I, you see, we have an understanding with each other. A sort of soul bond, if you believe in that sort of thing. I certainly do. Never had much luck with people. People have all these fears and inconsistencies. 
They don't react rationally, always changing their tune for their own benefit because they're scared of what's to become of them. Not my Minnie, though. Minnie's loyalties stay true to me, and I stay true to her. Women ain't reliable. Cows are. That's a direct quote. Tumbleweeds, 1925. Films don't lie. Ah, Minnie's right. The cowboy flicks. Reason why we're here. I love watching them cowboy flicks. I can't get enough of them. But after a while, I start to wonder, where are all the cows? And don't they need attending to? And that's why Minnie. Tales from Powder Ridge. Hello. What up, dude? What up? How are you doing today? You know... I'm I'm standing, I'm breathing. I had food. Yep. Yeah. I uh I've been doing a practice tonight or today, whenever I write it, um, of blogging every day for a hundred days. Um, I hope to do like a I hope it I hope to do writing every single day is the idea, mm-hmm. but I did a hundred days kind of. 30 sometimes is easy to break or not continue. Mm-hmm. Huh. But last night I was just kind of like thinking about everything and thinking about this and thinking about six shooter and just that every time one of these shootings happens, first of all, they keep happening. Um, and two, every time it's a white male, it's not called terrorism. And yeah, so I put put some pretty intense words on the page, but they weren't, it was honestly just really trying to be as clear as possible about what I think about everything. Um, And then, yeah, just wanted to have a quick conversation with you um, for, context of the of the project that we're doing and just to talk a little bit about what's going on right now um and of course as we know what's going on right now is not new although you know things are at an intense time so yeah cool yeah are we is this oh yep we just kind of go into it or you know we can always pull things out also like if there are if there's anything that you want off of the record um we can pull things off of the record but yeah i just wanted to have a 
conversation. Um, I'd also love to have you on some other time, not about this, uh, but this felt as I was thinking about when to release the segment of Six Shooter on my podcast, it was kind of like, oh, here we go again. So let's, let's do it now. Um, so yeah. So thank you for, for being here. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, I mean, like if I, if I want, if I wanted to talk about like what happened this last week, um, I guess I could like focus in on what it's been for me personally. Right. And then also then, then address sort of how that applies to the world at large, because I don't know, in this past year in the pandemic, I've been, um, I've been sort of approached slash accosted a couple of times, twice on the train and twice on the street. Um, and also, obviously, I think it's also worth mentioning, like, I'm a non-binary person, but most of the time I am read by society as a, as a female, as a woman. Um, so that's sort of, that's the lens that everyone else is seeing me through most of the time. Um, actually like a week before, like two weeks ago, um, at like 9.30 AM on a Tuesday on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, this, this white man came up to me, yanked his mask down, got in my face and started sort of attacking me with a lot of, uh, you know, racially charged language, um, sort of all the typical, sort of all the typical stuff. And at the time, I didn't really know what to do because, like, my hands were full. I had a backpack. I had like, a bagel in one hand and a coffee in the other. And he didn't, like, have anything. So I was like, you know, if I were to, you know, engage him in physical altercation or whatever, like, A, that would obviously amp up the situation. And that's not what I want. And B, I'm, like, encumbered by all these things. And C, it's too early for this. I haven't even had my coffee. Like, I'm shocked. Like, please leave me alone. That happened two weeks ago. And then um, actually when this when this happened on, what was it, Tuesday night? Yeah. When this happened on Tuesday night, that day I'd been really busy uh, dealing with just something that was completely um, different. And I was, I was sitting and chatting with a roommate in my room about something that we were both really worried about. And my, my phone lit up and someone texted me like, Hey, someone that I don't particularly interact with, especially not during the pandemic. And they were like, Hey, if you ever need someone to walk home with you, uh, on the, from the train or whatever, like, give me a call. And I looked at it and I was like, Hmm, like I haven't really talked to this person. And then I looked at my roommate who I was talking to and I was like, my friend just texted me this thing. And then I made this horrible joke. And I said, you know, it's funny because I don't know if they're texting me because it's the Asian thing or the woman thing. Mm-hmm. It was a horrible joke to make, but I think that's, you know, how I reacted. And then five, 10 minutes later, someone else also sent me a message along the same lines. And it's really horrible because like immediately, like I knew like my whole body knew 
what had happened. Yeah. Before I like looked anything up or before anyone said anything specific to me. So then I, you know, I got on Twitter and I saw and it was awful. And I don't know, since then I've, a lot of friends have sort of FaceTimed me or called me and I had a friend call me the other day. I picked up his FaceTime and the, just the first thing he said, he was already crying. It's just the first thing he said to me was like, that could have been my mom. Right. And like, I grew up for a while, my mother also was working um, really long sort of late hours at this like Chinese buffet. Right. And it's like, that could have been, that could have been my mom. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it speaks to something terrible that I knew in my body what it was before it even happened. I think it's horrible that for a long time we were all thinking like that something like this would be inevitable. We've seen it in action and by it, I mean violent white supremacy in action. We see it in action every day. Um, and so, yeah, so it's been weird because getting like this onslaught of, of messages and of concern and, and whatnot has been weird. Cause it's like, on the one hand, it's like, thank you so much. I have been going through a tough time. On the other hand, it's like, do, do I necessarily want to hear from these people if, if they truly don't understand mm -hmm. what it actually feels like to like, walk out and just be paranoid about like why people are looking at you and I have to think like oh did that person glare at me because of this or did that person glare at me because of that or did that person glare at me because they were having a bad day or whatever but then you know bad days <laughs> we don't right. want to get into that right so it's just it's really complex right and like the marginalized community is supporting the marginalized communities thing. Yes, that is crucial. That is what we want. Respecting intersectionality of people's identities is what we want. Um, but then the ugly side of that coin, right, is the ways that white supremacy has weaponized uh, like infighting. Mm -hmm like weapon the model minority myth is based on that the model minority myth was was white supremacy banking on turning people division against yeah divide and conquer i don't know let's do the math like there's more of us than there are of them like mm -hmm. how 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 have you felt yeah like it's um You've, of course, you've also come and you've read several times at Shelter, and I'm now on the, like, kind of some of the, like, organizational parts of the company, and they're doing anti-racist workshops, which is really good, but they want everybody to participate in them, and on the one hand, I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of things to say, but on the other hand, it's like the last thing that I want to do right now. Um, not because I don't think it's important, but because, yeah, it's, 
it's not new stuff for me to be thinking about. And then it's frustrating. <laughs> like the, the first meeting that I went to with that was, I just kind of kept venting just that I didn't want to be there and how frustrating it was and, and why. And then kind of the moderators are like, um, that's very kind of not exactly this, but sort of saying that's brave of you to say. And it's like, it's not brave of me to say, it's not hard for me to talk about this. It's just, I don't like, I feel like I don't have a choice, but to do the quote unquote work. Um, so yeah, it's just exhausting sometimes. Yeah. And then the reason I'm, I am excited to re-release six shooter now is kind of one thing in the whole pandemic is just, there's a time for marching. Like, and I support the marching and people that do that. But for me, I want to put my energy into creating creative work that is addressing um, what's going on. That's the work that I want to be involved in through, through the arts. Yeah. Um, so having the conversations aside from like this kind of conversation, but having the conversations with organizations, it's necessary and it's exhausting. Um, just cause I feel like there's 500 or a thousand year conversation that's been happening. Yeah. And this white supremacist idea still is ever pervasive. And yeah, at the end of the day, it is the problem because it's basically, and then white people feeling attacked by, by saying that and and not, and not all white people, but, (laughs) but it is like, yeah, if you're a white person who's threatened by the idea of dismantling white supremacy, it's like, all we're saying is, yeah, white doesn't get to be supreme anymore. And it's not that any, any other sect, race, um, identity should be supreme. It's that we should all be valued with, with dignity, you know? So, yeah, it's like, um, I don't know in all of this, right. What we're, what we're really getting down to is we're talking about the existence of marginalized communities and the existence of people of color, right? That existence, like, people of color don't get to clock in and clock out of white supremacy, of racism, of checking their own privileges of like, whatever, right? We're not, we don't get to do that. And what it feels like right now, right, is that the people who are trying to quote, do the work, even inherently embedded in that phrase is like, oh, like it's time for me to decide to have done the work. And then if I want to like chill out and watch TV, I can, I'm not doing the work then. Mm-hmm. And and I don't have to think about it. And it's like, well, I think that's it's it's a per it's it permeates literally every single second mm-hmm. of every single person of color's life. So that you can just like sort of choose when to think about it. It's just right it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think doing it through work is good or doing it through, like you said, like creative work is good. I think six shooter has a lot of potential. Really fun to think about 
dismantling systems. I mean, what's tricky about that, right? And this actually ties into certain anti-racist trainings will also do this, right? Is like the, the role play thing and the flipping of roles thing, I don't actually think is super helpful all the time. Cause like, we don't wanna be replacing a corrupt system with just like a different face. Mm-hmm. which is what you were saying you were like it's not that it's not that we're trying to like replace white supremacy with any other kind of supremacy or any other race or whatever right like this is a problem that we are all dealing with mm-hmm. yeah so, and is toxic to everybody too like it's toxic to white people too like it exactly. you know what i mean they have the most privilege within it but it's still causes major like is probably also the reason we're all in a mental health crisis right now exactly before the pandemic you know i think it's the same thing with like thinking about the patriarchy thinking about toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. men are victims of toxic masculinity no question they the symptoms may be different but it's the same fucking disease sorry i cursed no it's fine (laughs) <laughs> this is rated explicit on on apple podcasts and and everywhere i said the f word yeah um but like that's this is the same thing right it's like if this if if the water is poisoned and we're all drinking it mm-hmm. duh. <laughs> you know, I don't know and man. then it's really tricky so you know six shooters about gun violence um i i am for the most part like a pacifist like i believe in yeah i would say i am i I believe in peace but i'm also for self-defense and so it's also tricky like all through the pandemic sometimes i try to like limit what i my input of like social media and YouTube and the news for that matter. But sometimes I do enjoy seeing somebody get their just desserts. Um, And there's like later on last week, some guy attacked like an older woman in San Francisco and she whipped his ass and like, and that made me happy in a way. Like it didn't make me, like it, it disgusts me. Sure. Like, like he's like a young, youngish guy yeah. attacking an elderly one. Like that, you know, makes me furious. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a part of me that is sort of like, this is why like I train is because like, I mean, nobody knows, like it's, and it's like you said, when these things happen, sometimes you're so caught off guard but like, I hope that if I see something happen that like, I have the courage to like do something and it's like, right. and that's why I like practice the martial arts in the gym setting um, so that hopefully like, hopefully I don't need like the whole, that's yeah. the whole thing though. Hopefully no, you don't need you. To, to use it, but like. Same. I box. Yeah. And I, I do do those, like, you know, you hear cliche, like I do do the key thing in my fingers and I do like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
I, I totally hear you. I mean, that's why I think bystander intervention is important. Mm-hmm. I think like there are people out there who are like, you know, engaging communities in training and bystander intervention. And that's really important. And yeah, like, like I probably could have just like, you know, used the elements of surprise and hooked him in the fucking, the guy that attacked me like two weeks ago. I probably could have, yeah, but Right. And I also want to point out, right, in all the news coverage of that incident in San Francisco, it has never, like, left me that that video footage of her being really upset and yelling, like, Mm -hmm. really upset, what we saw was a white guy on a stretcher being taken care of by medics, and then Mm -hmm. all she had was a fucking ice pack. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's 70, dude mm-hmm he like and that was the thing that ticked me that like made me write yesterday like kind of channeling Malcolm X um because I like yeah I said some things that I've bit my tongue about before but it's but one of the things I got to in getting it out it's that when domestic terrorists are white they get treated with more dignity than anybody else like any other law-abiding person of color like in pretty much any other situation and it's just sickening i haven't read um i tend to try and like corroborate or like double check my sources but i just read a slate article that the husband of Delena Yon, who was one of the victims in the Atlanta shooting, the husband, Mario Hernandez, was apparently put in handcuffs because he was there with her. And he was put in handcuffs and they wouldn't let him out of the handcuffs for two hours and no one would tell him anything because apparently they suspected that suspect he's a Latino man. They suspected that he was like he was a suspect. And he kept being like, my wife is in there. Where is my wife? And they didn't even tell him that she was dead until hours later. Simply just on the, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's that's the crux of it. Because you're telling me that. And I wish I was surprised. But like, if I'm honest with myself, it's like, oh, yeah that's how things are yeah you know what i mean and it's like there are times when we are treated with some level of dignity but a lot of times we're not like and definitely not the same benefit of the doubt Uh, getting a hamburger after you shot up a church yeah you know like just yeah Mm. so six shooter (laughs) 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 yeah but that's uh, yeah i'm excited about it because of the like in the segment that that we have your character is both in character and then mm-hmm. out of character, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'm really excited about 
the conversations that can happen on the set in the play <laughs> that can mirror like actual conversation that can kind of channel actual conversations that we're having like also in a lot of these theater companies um, in a lot of workplaces right now I, I look forward to kind of bringing that hopefully into you know whatever this project becomes I think it'll be really good about uh highlighting like intersectionalities and and um being able to really tease apart like certain like nuances right that we don't necessarily get to see on tv because even or on stage because even now tv film and stage right it's like Crazy Rich Asians was an Asian movie. And then like, this is like a black movie and this is a Latinx movie, but it's like, okay, are we also making content that respectfully addresses how pervasive anti-blackness is in the Asian community? Cause that's a big problem. <laughs> and like, not to, well, I am, I am gonna, I produced a series, a digital series called Sideways Smile last year that's been doing the vir virtual film festival circuit um, right now. We're at Cinequest right now, which is really exciting. It's an Oscar qualifying festival. Nice. And we, um, thank you. And we, uh, we have an episode that like addresses that because we've never seen it before. We've never seen that ever be addressed in media. Is... So is okay. that available to see anywhere online or is it's like screening different places? We're doing like the playing coy right now because of the festivals. Mm -hmm. um, we really, we really are chomping at the bit to, uh, to release it for sure. Um, soon, hopefully this year. I could, I could probably say you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> um, probably this year, but we also, um, we also got some interest from like people who want to maybe develop it. Um, the producer Broad City maybe wants to take a look at it, which is good because it's like the tone of it is, it's like Broad City, but specifically through like an Asian American female lens. And we haven't seen that. We haven't heard that. Mm -hmm. We've only seen what crazy rich Asians like to do when they throw a wedding. And then that was like, oh, good job. Let's pat ourselves on the back. It's been 25 years, but we did it. And it's like, mm, what did we do exactly? Mm -hmm. What is that representation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are things, I mean, you know, like there are definitely black films and things where I'm like, all right, just get the door. Like I'll celebrate it for like getting the door open exactly. and crazy rich Asians falls under the category also of like, yeah, like um, if you give us the same resources, exactly. we can also be commercially successful and maybe even more commercially successful because there's an audience literally there's an audience right you know yeah and media is where people learn their biases and where people learn their opinions mm -hmm. so did you write that one um i didn't write it i produced it and i co i starred in it Mm -hmm. um, but it's written by my friend named Hong Nguyen, and uh, it's pretty funny. Six nice. episodes, a little less than an hour total. Pretty proud of it. Very cool. And the reception's been really great. 
Well, I look forward to checking that one out. Thanks. Just came on to plug and plug a different thing. <laughs> no, but what but no, but uh where speaking of that, where's the best place for people to follow you? Um, because then also that would probably be a good place where they can follow the project, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, on Instagram, this is what's tricky right now. I'm I am mid name transition currently. Um the sideways smile Instagram is sideways smile series with all the S's that you would expect. My current handle is Diane Chen 51, D I A N E C H E N 51. Um, I don't suspect it'll be that for much longer, mm-hmm. but whenever this, I don't know, when, when is this happening? This? Yeah. This will be coming out tomorrow. Great. Yeah. Um, but I can always go back and the links will be in the show notes. So people can always find in the show notes. Now, are you going by Sagan Chen now? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sagan like Carl or mm-hmm. Sagan like Pagan. I don't know. I'm trying both of them out. And um, Sagan like Carl has fallen flat twice, but I'm still determined. Cause I prefer, I think, I, I think that one's funnier than Sagan like Pagan. What do you think? I got Sagan um, like Carl, like Carl Sagan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think either maybe depending on the audience. Right. Yeah. Sagan like Pagan is funny also like Sagan like Carl, you have to like yeah. split second think cause it's like, Oh um, yeah. Thank you like I, I do the Alec the Baldwin just because. Ah, yeah. yeah. Do, um, do you, um, do people call you Alec the third? Yeah. So that's <laughs> my, hold on. <laughs> hey. Whoa, that was like discipline voice. All right, well, they're going to be in the background. Um, that was like discipline voice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they're great, though. Um, but uh, yeah, so Alec the Third, that's been, I'm a big advocate for naming yourself. Like, I, I am Alec Stevens the Third, but it's this whole year has been kind of all about getting clear about who and what that is you know we we go through changes and for me alec stevens the third because it's a like people hear alex and even if people know alec like if they can say that name and write it on paper i don't know what it is but it's one of those names where people still sometimes have like can't help but say Alex. And so when I'm saying my full name, like at an audition or, or somewhere, then I'll say, Hey, I'm Alex Stevens, the third. Oh, nice to meet you, Alex. And so instead of for a while, I was like, I'm Alec Stevens, the third, like putting a pause in there. That's nobody has time for that. (laughs) And then I was just sort of like, Alec, the third is like, I had a, or had slash have a band called I am the third. Like Mm -hmm. it's always been about the third for me. 
Um, but Alec is my name. So it's kind of a way of, yeah, by going by Alec the third, I have, you know, a nickname in there. People can call me third, wh- whatever, whatever I they want. I love that. I um, love that. It's just about reclaim. It's about like truly figuring out who you are on the inside and then being like, and then I demand that the world also see me as I am. Yep. That's totally, I also had actually a similar thing where I was like, I really like the name Sage. And then I just like tried out loud to myself, the slate, like, hi, I'm Sage Chen. And, and I was like, oh, <laughs> hell. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, Sagan works well. But um, I totally, I totally hear that. And so Sagan and Sage, so that's how you chose that name. Was, were you thinking like Sage the herb or Sage like the oracle wise person both nice and the color honestly like a darkish green is one of my favorite colors it is my favorite color and um that sort of reminded me of my my favorite color also sagan's Mm -hmm. good though sagan informally does mean like billions and billions of stars like in honor of carl and i was like all right cool chill that's cool i'm a star yeah i'm gonna be one star (laughs) absolutely you already are you already are. Oh, thanks, um, Alec. Well, that's one of my old lyrics, actually, is um, everybody's born a star. Uh, why do we choose to fall? Ooh, you know? shit. And then and also on that note, like so the full name I've been playing with now is Alec the Third, the greatest storyteller. And it's all about okay. you got to be. I love Muhammad Ali, somebody else who also chose uh, his name. And yeah. Um, and then I was going to, I was playing with the great for a while. And then I looked up the great and that was taken and the greatest storyteller.com was available. So I was like, Oh, um, but it's that. like, it's aspirational. And yeah, I truly believe we are told and this is everybody, but of course, marginalized people are marginalized, but like everybody's marginalized. Like that's the thing. When you marginalize one person, you allow for everybody to be marginalized and everybody does get marginalized and diminished. And so I want people to like be the full greatest star versions of themselves. You know, the more you are a star like the more I can learn how to be a star you know we have to we have to teach each other how to how to do it you know we're all going to manifest that shit absolutely um and some people might be a little bitter and salty about it right now you know those who have been in privilege I'm talking to specifically but it's like just fucking join the the part like join the celebration stop hating like that's that's all really what it comes down to we're asking yeah Yeah, that's that's it you know yeah um is there anything else you want to talk about today no i just think that you know actions um, hold a lot of meaning and People should just think about people should just think about challenging their norms. 
always and forever, challenging their norms, challenging their privileges. I have to think about challenging my privileges every day. I mm-hmm. have plenty. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that's, mm, that's the thing with the intersection that like really, I mean, there are many things that do make me angry. Try to not stay in the anger part of it all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as a black man, um, and as a person with just my own set of experiences and understanding what it feels like to be marginalized, it's like, I don't know exactly what it is to be an Asian American. However, it's not hard for me to have empathy. It's not hard for me to understand the problem like and and understand why it's important for me too and it really bugs me when people can't look outside of their own experience and have empathy and I think that's what it that's what it comes down to absolutely and it's like it's elementary like stuff we learned in elementary school like care about other rule yeah the golden rule they always said called it right yeah Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had uh, one question I, I wanted to ask you before we wrap up. Um, and there's no time clock. I don't know what your time is like, so I want to respect that. But I do also, in the same spirit of uh, naming mm-hmm. yourself, I love asking people kind of how they describe themselves yeah and the reason I think it's really good is like sometimes I find it helps like define ourselves further like the more we kind of say who we are and what we do and you know what I mean I don't want I don't want to put you in a box but I mean right now kind of what would you describe what it is either what you do, um, who you are, or kind of like what you want to do. Wow. Let's see. Um, I'm Sagan. My pronouns are they, them. I am a queer, non-binary, polyamorous Chinese-American artist. Um, I live on stolen Lenape land, more commonly known as Brooklyn. And what I want most in the world is I think for everyone to look inside and outside of themselves. And I'm a big proponent of queer being a verb, queer being um, like a revolution. And I think that everyone should just pay real close attention to the norms that they've grown up with and to challenge them and wonder why those norms are set in place. If they're benefiting a certain group of people over another group for some arbitrary reason. And I don't know. I think that like, I think that, I think that existence should be a revolution. Mm -hmm. It should be truly like constantly, constant reinvention. I think that's what existence should be constant reinvention of the hopeful sort. And so it's like, 
why, why be comfortable? Challenge your shit, my dude. Like, think about it. How can you change your circumstance to benefit more people? And then if we all think like that, someday everyone will feel okay. Mm-hmm. Everyone will feel like they are being treated the same way that they treat other people. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and I co-sign it 100%. Great. <laughs> Um, well, thank you for sitting down with me. Um, I really appreciate it. And I'm really glad that we got to connect, um, mm-hmm. both through six shooter and through the shelter. And I look forward to watching your series when it comes out and supporting that and just collaborating with you more in the future. So, um, and I'll see you on the map maybe sometime. Yeah. I'm with that too. I'm with hey. that too. Um, where do you live in Brooklyn, by the way? Crown Heights, Weeksville. Okay. I'm in Bushwick. Um, yeah. Do you train? Where do you train? Uh, well, the BJJ, I'm like, I want to get more into it. Um, there's a gym called Chop and Chops in Bed-Stuy that uh, they're, they're great peeps. I also just, I box it overthrow. Mm-hmm. And I boxed with this group called Trans Boxing which is self-explanatory. It's a boxing collective that is that prioritizes and is geared toward the trans community and the queer community. Um, I, used to, I used to be afraid of BJJ because I didn't want to deal with the cauliflower ear for like tapes. Yeah, <laughs> I think. that's legit. That's <laughs> legit. But uh, like, yeah. Even today was like, uh, I, I haven't been doing BJJ lately. I almost did today, but I was, I've been doing Muay Thai a lot more. Nice. Um, and today was like some light technical sparring. And it's always just like, I have some things coming up this week. So don't, I gotta please mean, don't mark up the moneymaker. I got a mean left hook to the face last week. And my first thought was, oh my God, auditions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh God, got to ice it and make sure it doesn't show. Mm-hmm. But that's also, you know, we we're talking about those situations that happen like, and hopefully don't happen like on the streets where it's like, this could be a physical altercation, but there's just so many ramifications that come with that. Mm-hmm. One, I mean, you just don't know how that goes. Yeah. Um, but two, even if it went the way you would quote unquote want it to go, there can be a lot of consequences. So sure. Yeah. Better to avoid it unless you are sticking up for yourself or somebody else, you know, like, yeah. um, so hopefully not hopefully, cause that'll be a problem, you know, that I'll have to, but I was going to say, hopefully if somebody steps to you, Again, I'm right there so I can like deal with it. Um, yeah. yeah. But hopefully that just doesn't happen anymore. Um, yeah. Hopefully it's squashed before it even totally. begins. Um, totally, totally. Especially here in New York. 
that's where I am. Like I, the dual side of me is like, I don't want that. I want it known that shit's not tolerated here, you know? Right. Every once in a while we see a viral video. I don't know. There's there's two times I got called out on the train. No one else did anything, but you know, here's the hope and we're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. It's good to see you. You Um, Let's yeah. Let's talk. soon. can we go off the record? Yeah. So that was my conversation with Sagan Shen. They are a dope actor, director, producer. Follow them on Instagram. Links are in the show notes as always. Um, Also check out the show notes for everybody involved with the project. Be sure to check the show notes for the full list of the cast and crew involved with Six Shooter. Thank you to the Bauman NYC for first presenting this project on the Artists We Fucks With podcast, their podcast that they created during this time that we're all in. Thank you, Conrad Cluck, for coming up with this idea initially, and Emily White for inviting me in. Hope to have Conrad on and Anya Kapiski at some point. You'll recognize a lot of names in the cast and crew have appeared on this podcast and hopefully will appear on the podcast coming up. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will create work that says something about the world um, and hopefully can affect change in the world change that we want to see Uh, we can be it we can make that change um, but we have to make it so make that thing share those words spread that idea and yeah live in gratitude um, because we're still here so thank you very much for listening and i will talk to you soon take care peace (laughs) 